Heavenly Father, God of love, God that is love, thank you for gathering us this morning. Speak to us, Lord, in your mercy and in your power. Thank you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. The topic we have today is love, the greatest commandment. Love, the greatest commandment. I consider this a very important topic that has been assigned to me to speak and to listen to. May God help us in Jesus' name. Love the greatest commandment. When you look at that topic, it rightly indicates that there are other commandments. There are a number of commandments. Do's and don'ts. What you should do, what you should not do. But for us Christians, there is the greatest commandment. Praise the Lord. Did they hear your response? Praise the Lord. Love. I want to read two passages before we go on. The first one is Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, the first passage, we will start from verse 35 to verse 40. We are talking about love as commandment. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So here Jesus has clearly stated that the greatest commandment is love. Love for God and love for your fellow human beings. Love for your neighbor. And it makes sense actually. Because if you love God, you are not going to offend him. If you love God, you will seek to obey Him. If you love God, you will not want to worship another God. You are not going to start making images to represent God. You are going to use the name of God respectfully. And whatever day God has said, rest in it. You are going to endeavor to obey God. And these are the first four commandments in the Decalogue. The Decalogue refers to the ten commandments that Moses received on Mount Sinai. If you love God, you are going to keep his commandments. Again, if you love your fellow human being, you are not going to start stealing from your friend. You are not going to try to commit adultery with the spouse of a friend or anybody at all. You wouldn't want to make anybody to be unclean by sexual sins. You are not going to try to kill somebody to take his property. No. You will not covet his property. Again, you find that love even satisfies or satisfies the requirements of the Ten Commandments. Praise the Lord. And then he added that we should love 
our neighbor as an entity of itself. You love God, you love your neighbor. And then somebody asked him, if you will remember, I believe you will remember, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus told that very striking story that we title the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus told of somebody who fell among thieves. If it were now armed robbers, they took all he had and injured him very badly. First person came and passed by. Another person came and passed by. They didn't help him. And incidentally, those two were men of God, Levite and priest, warning all of us to be careful. As we carry our Bible and move about, let us be sure we love God, we love our fellow men, we are obedient to God's commandments. It was the third man who was not even an Israelite. He wasn't a Jew that approached that wounded man and helped him and took him to a hospital. In those days, what they had were inns. Took him to a, an inn. It's like taking him to a hospital, paid the deposit, said to the workers, look after him. When I come back, I'll pay whatever remains to be paid. And Jesus said, who among these three was a neighbor? So a neighbor in this context, love your neighbor as yourself. It's not necessarily the man living next to you. Or the man sitting next to you in this church right now. Your neighbor is every other man or woman that you encounter. May God help us to love our fellow men. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want us in talking about love to look at 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. We have a song on this beautiful song on this topic. 1 John First uh, John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God, for God is love. Praise the Lord. God is love. We find that also in 1 John chapter 4 verse 8. God is a God of love. One of the passages I love most in the scripture is 1 John chapter 3, starting from verse 1. Let's look at it. 1 John chapter 3. Beginning to read at verse 1. There the Bible says, Behold what manner of love. Shall we say manner of love? Everybody, manner of love. Behold what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not. Because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we shall appear, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For he shall, we shall see him as he is. Verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purified himself even as God is pure. God is certainly love and his dealing with man has been characterized by love. 
Look at the one we just read. The way we are, with all our errors and failures. Yet, God made us his children. And we are called the sons of God. And there the Bible says, for the avoidance of that, that is what we are. Praise the Lord. If you look at John 3.16, you see love again. It says, for God so loved the world. God loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's also very remarkable. God, in giving us his son, gave himself. Because father and son, God the father, God the son, they are the same. So in Jesus coming to the earth, God was coming to the earth. It's a very remarkable love. It's a little bit like what God asked Abraham to do. When he said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go and sacrifice him. God knew he has done that and he will do that. He asked Abraham to do it in that small way. Thank God for a man like Abraham. Praise the Lord. And Jesus came in love. I like to say this, and I say it over and over, because it also helps me. It also encourages me. The fact that when Jesus went to the cross, Jesus did not go to the cross as a weakling, as somebody that was just arrested and handcuffed and killed. No. Jesus went to the cross fully God, fully man. The point I'm making by this is that Jesus had all the power. Whatever it took for him to go away and not die on that cross, he had the power. And I thank God for that incident where one of his disciples struck and cut off somebody's ear. And what did Jesus do? He picked up that ear and fixed it. That helped us to know that even up to that time, he had his powers. Because there are some funny characters who talk of the, the messianic power, who talk of the Christ consciousness, who suggests that the power of being Christ came upon Jesus at some point and left him at some point and he was crucified. Was that true or false? Absolutely false. Jesus was God and he was man. He had the power. In fact, if you remember, when they came to arrest him in that garden, they fell down. And he said, why are you? Come, look at me, you can come and take me. In line with what he said by himself, that he had the power to lay his life down and he had the power to take it up again. It gives me a lot of comfort. Nobody overpowered him. He was the one who said, it is good that you sow a, a, a grain of corn. Because if you don't sow it, it remains as one single corn. Almost useless, isn't it? But when you sow that grain of corn, it will die. You understand? That grain will die. When it dies by the miracle of God that he does among us farmers all the time, that grain will now germinate. You see the plume and the radical? It will grow. All over Enugu you see corn or maize. And then it will be a corpse. When you bring one cob, 
you can't count the number of grains. So when you sow a grain of corn, it's, it's a very good thing to do. Because it will die and then it will be able to become a full crop and bear uncountable number of grains. Jesus was talking about himself. That as at that time, he was the only son of God. True, he was the only son of God. Who were just creatures of God. But that when he dies like the grain of corn, he's going to rise from the dead. And whereas God had only one son, Jesus, God will now have uncountable number of sons, those who believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. And I keep saying it, that the plan was that Jesus will eventually, in his glory, when he returns to heaven, see the multitudes who have believed in him, who have been saved because he died on the cross. The Bible says he will see the fruit of his travail, and he will rejoice. Hallelujah. Can we do something for God? That was the plan. Plan made in love. Absolute love. Love that we have never seen before. That's what Jesus said. Have you seen that kind of love where somebody dies for his friends? There's even another one that is even terrible. He says, when, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for people who were all shouting and praising and making him king. He died even for all of us who were still in sin. Hallelujah. That was the arrangement. That was the pro- I'm trying to show us that when God says, we should love God and love our fellow men. God has done more. God has done more. Jesus had to die for us. If you follow the trend in his relationship with human beings, initially said, yes, I'm your master. You are right to call me master. At some point said, you're my friends. If you keep my commandments. But you see, immediately after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, what did he start calling his disciples? Brothers, check out in the scripture. The moment he rose from the dead, he started calling them brothers. He said to Mary, go and tell my brothers. And then when he talked about God, he said, I'm going to my father and to your father. That's the import of what happened on the cross. When he had seen that he had accomplished what it took to save man, he said, it is finished. Hallelujah. And heaven always backed him up. Everywhere turned dark. Amen. And on the third day, the power of God rolled away the stone and raised him from the dead. God is still raising stones. God is still raising people to life. God is still giving life to dead people. Human beings who are dead in sin. Human beings who are dead in wickedness. There are people who say they don't have conscience. They have conscience, but they are dead in sin. And Jesus, till today, is still there, raising them from the dead, giving them life. Hallelujah. And today we are being guided that for the avoidance of doubt, no matter what you are doing for God, no matter how good you are, remember that the greatest of the commandments is love. Let's look at some scriptures to scrutinize a little bit. What is this love? And I want us to go to First Corinthians chapter thirteen. First Corinthians chapter thirteen. Verse 
if we start from verse 4, we begin to see some of the qualities of love that we are expected to exhibit. It says, love, from verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love suffers long. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It vaunted not itself. It's not puffed up. As we read this, can I look at my life? Can you look at your life? Who are you? Do you have the characteristic of endurance? Being able to suffer long with people. Are you kind? Are you full of envy and jealousy against other people? Are you puffed up and arrogant? Love would exhibit the opposite of these negative features. Verse 5. It does not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. If I am living in love, living a life of love, love for God, love for human beings, I'm going to avoid these sort of things. I should not behave myself badly, unseemly. We should care about other people. We should not be easily provoked. Some people say, I have hot temper. Why will you have hot temper? And others have cold temper. If there's anything like cold temper. Because the essence of this meditation today is not to do an academic exercise. We are discussing this thing so that I can become better. So that you can become better. Hallelujah. Yes. Easily provoked. We can pray and ask God to help us so that we are not easily provoked. Hallelujah. Thinketh no evil. Child of God, watch your heart and your thoughts. Don't think about evil things. No. Verse 6. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. When people come around you and are talking of bad things, evil things, wicked things, you should tell them to go away. You don't listen to such things. You are a child of God. You don't want them to defile your heart. Rejoice in the truth. Let's be willing to be happy and rejoice in our own different ways of rejoicing. I say it and I want to laugh about that. That there are those who rejoice only in their heart. And that's the way they rejoice. I'm not condemning it. But there are those, tell them something good. They will come and stand on top of this thing and shout. All those are rejoicing. Go ahead and rejoice over good things. Praise the Lord. But what is a crime spiritually is to be unhappy that something good is happening. It's a crime. To rejoice that some evil has happened, even to those considered to be your enemies, do not rejoice over evil. Love does not fail. And even if we talk of prophecies, talk of speaking in tongues, talk of all kinds of knowledge, at the end of the day, love stands head and shoulder above all those. May God help us in the name of Jesus. But, but what if I'm a Christian? I'm bubbling in the faith, doing a lot of things, healing the sick. And I don't do these things in love. The same First Corinthians chapter 13, from verse 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels, and I don't have love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. If I don't have love, speaking in tongues, prophesying, doing so many things with my mouth and my tongue, if you don't have love, say you are a noisemaker. You're just like an empty bucket. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And though I have all faith so that I could move mountains, I have not charity. The Bible says that I am what? Nothing. Absolute nothing. That is, I have gifts. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts given by God. You do things, people will clap. People say, wow, God is good. But it says, if what you are doing is not based on love, that you are nothing. Finally, on that aspect, verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profited me nothing. No matter what we do, if we are not doing it from the love of God, too bad. May God help us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. There are different types of love. And I'm going to try to mention four types of love very quickly. And then we move on. So that the Lord will continue to guide us not to go into error. Because we are saying love everybody. Love. And there are some things we call love that are not for us. Number one, there is a type of love called stuji. These are Greek words. That is not a sinful love, but that's not what we are talking about. That one you will find among colleagues. We have a lot of students here. Many of us have been students. You are in first year geography. And everybody's moving. Ah, the lecturer will come at two. Everybody's going together. Ah, okay, can you come in? Ah, okay, are you ready? Let's go. And I, and I got together. But if, unfortunately, the exam comes and one of them, I won't mention any person's name in case we have that name here. And that person fails. You know what will happen? When the others are going to class, they, they won't mention, they won't come near there. They won't bother with him or her again. This is it what happens? It's because it's the type of love called stuji that they had. Business people, we are going to Anisha. We have made money. What are we going to buy next year? Bags of cement. Hi. And then one person suffers financial injury. Doesn't have money again. When he's coming, those friends will take another route. Before he starts asking us for money, they take another route. What they had was stuji. It wasn't the type of love that we should emulate. Praise the Lord. There's another love called filial love. The name gives away what it's all about. Family. Filial love. It's good. It's good love, but that's still not the best that you survive with in the world. Because in family love, filial love, there is real love. Alright? But it's not the love for everybody you meet on the way. I'll just give one example. The mother in the morning has prepared breakfast. Alright? And she discovers that out of five of them in the family, the food will be enough for only three. What will the mother do? She will give the three to the other members of the family. Great moms. That's what they do. Filial love. And go hungry. Maybe when she gets to work around 11, somebody will pass him by with her back or something. She will take to survive, isn't it? But the beautiful breakfast she made in the morning has gone into the stomachs of the other members of the family. Nobody forced her to do that. It was her love. My husband, my children. She will tidy them up. Feed their love. We've talked of mothers. Our mothers are happy. The men do it too. Haven't you seen particularly Igbo men who are working hard making money and they wear torn shirts or even singlets without shirts and be moving. But look at their wife. She's well dressed. His money, well dressed, well fed, looking fine. 
That's not bad. It's filial love. Isn't it? Aha. It's my, my, my wife. Hannah, you'll be my name. Yeah. <laughs> but he's reality. In fact, even among educated people, some of us men, the singlets we wear, the doctors, are bought by our wives. Because we don't buy for ourselves. That is filial love, my brethren. All right? How many have we talked of? Stuji, filial, only two. So let's take one, another one. Another one is erotic love. The name again gives it out, isn't it? Erotic love. It's not the type of love Christians will indulge in. We don't have much time to give much demonstrations. But erotic love is a type of love between man and woman that can lead to uh, sexual sins, that can lead to immorality. And the terrible thing about it is it's ungodly. It, it leads to sin, can lead to hell. All over literature, history, you find it happening. A man will see a woman and say, you're everything to me. The moment the man finishes with the woman, she wants to chase her out. Even in the Bible, it happened among David's children. The lady was still there, maybe yet to dress up. The man was already chasing her out. But before that time, he said, unless you come, I cannot eat. I'm dying. That was erotic love. It's sinful. It leads to death. It leads to unwanted, so-called unwanted babies. It leads to abortions. It leads to women dying. It frustrates many women and ruins their life. It damages and collapses many uh, uh, families. Erotic love is not for us. Eros. Praise the Lord. What we should look for is agape. Everybody say agape. And I'm happy we already know what it is, so we won't have to take time. Agape is the highest, costliest holy love. It is the love that is identifiable with God. If you go to 1 John 4, 8, it says, God is love. Shall we say it together? God is love. That is God. Agape is that love that we offer good things without expecting any reward. It's the love that seeks the good of the other party. It's the love that is clean physically, spiritually, emotionally. It does not hurt. It's the love that can be patient as in 1 Corinthians 13. We bear all things. We'll be patient. We'll forgive. We seek the good of the other. That's agape love. And it is powered by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The greatest commandment is love. And we have known that it's not everything we, we hear. Love, love. Even musicians love every time. Many of those things are not the love we are talking about. We are talking about godly love. Pure and holy love. Agape. Praise the Lord. Father God, help us to love with the love that you give us in the name of Jesus. And we find that this love that we are talking about is God-given. It's not by power or by might. The Bible tells us that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hands. And then we go to Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit. Can we start saying it together? Love, peace, let's stop there. Number one is what? Love. Is this agape love? The fruit of the Spirit. When you give your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes into you. And gives you a new birth. You become a new person. You become a child of God. 
the Holy Spirit begins to work in you to produce His characteristics. To produce the characteristics of God. So that at the end of the day, you will be like father, like son, like father, like daughter. Father here is God. And we Christians, we resemble our father. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, faith, down to, uh, 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 you know, um, down to Imeri Henoke. What's the English for that? You are thinking of it. <laughs> All right. So you find that these are characteristics of God. Amen. And number one is what? Love. It is God breathed. Why am I saying this? Everybody wants to live out a life of agape. But it's not by power or might. It is the Holy Spirit. So again, it boils down to having the Holy Spirit. And how will you have the Holy Spirit if you are not born again? Is somebody following? How can you? It's if you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes in you. And he doesn't just perch. Holy Spirit is a person. He stays in you and begins to bring out his nature. Amen. And that is what is called the fruit of the Spirit. And one of them is love. Another one we should seek earnestly for is joy. Every believer should have that joy. It's called Eirin in Greek. Eirin. There is this joy that the Holy Ghost gives. These are benefits. And the other, uh, uh, the remaining seven, everybody should have them. So if you are not born again, and you find people are running away from you. You want to be kind, but you find that you end up talking and doing things that are terrible. The panacea, the solution is come to Jesus. Jesus created us. He still has the capacity to make us the best that we can be. Come to Jesus. When we come to him, the Holy Spirit will come into our hearts and make us brand new creatures. As we find in 2 Corinthians 5.17, all things will pass away. I deliberately talked about those who say they have hot temper. Yes, when you now come to Jesus and you are born again, all things will pass away. Along with those things that you thought were your nature, huh? you walk hot temper. They can all pass away. And gradually, it's not instantaneous, gradually, Holy Ghost will be walking in you. You are going to put off the bad ones and put on the godly characteristics. Praise the Lord. That is how it happens. So we are talking about love. God will give us love. God will help us to be loving people in the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus says something very striking. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Absence of love blocks the capacity of the church to make profound impact. That love, it draws people to God. It shows authenticity that you are of God. May God help us, even in this church, to love one another as we ought to, in the name of Jesus. Amen. The greatest commandment is love. If we don't have love, there are so many problems. I will not dwell on that. But let's just obey God and show love in the name of Jesus. Let us be kind and compassionate. It's a beautiful thing in itself. Jesus is still a perfect example in love. Think about Jesus. And let's think about ourselves. 
Jesus went about doing good, healing all manner of diseases, doing good. One of them that touched my heart was when a leper, somebody who had an incurable disease at that time, but leprosy is now curable, he came to Jesus and said, if you are willing, you can make me whole. People don't come to people who are leper. They were supposed to be outside, warning people with a bell that they are coming so they can go away. You know what Jesus did? Jesus stretched out his holy hands and touched the man. In the Old Testament times, once you do that, you have defiled yourself. Jesus didn't mind. Because fortunately, even among them, that defilement goes after some days. Just that you can't touch him and walk into the temple. But Jesus knew that he wasn't going to the temple. He wasn't even breaking their law. But there was that love and empathy. He touched the man. said, I am willing. Behold. Jesus touched children. Children, you know the way they behave. They can wee-wee on you. They can do all kinds of things. And so... Some parents brought children to Jesus. They said, take them away. They will make noise. Chase the children. Jesus said, don't you ever do that. Let the children do what? Come unto me. And the Bible said, he, 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 he carried them in his hands. Touched them on their head. Isn't it? And did what? And blessed them. Jesus reached out to youths and teenagers. Jairus' daughter was dead. Jesus went there and woke her up. There was a man who was having real problem with his son. The problem they had probably was what we call grandma seizures. The child was having seizures, epileptic attacks. And the man brought the, the son. The disciples couldn't help. Jesus came and said, what's the matter? The father said, this thing wants to kill this child. And Jesus rescued the child. Hallelujah. You remember the woman of Nain, A widow. But a very lucky widow. God saved her. Saved her situation. The only son had died. The father of the child was dead. They were heading for burial. And they encountered Jesus. You remember the story. Jesus lifted that child, brought him back to life. You know, Jesus is still doing such things today. What is the problem we are having in our families? What is the problem we are having in our businesses, in our relationships? doesn't matter who you are, old or young, Jesus is still waiting to turn things around for the better. In the name of Jesus. And he doesn't care where you come from. You remember that woman who was asking Jesus to heal the child. And Jesus was saying, this healing is meant for Jews. It's not meant for dogs. And that wonderful woman didn't take offense. She said, dogs will eat even the crumbs that fall down. That woman was not a Jew. Jesus saved him. Jesus does not care about your gender. We remember. He doesn't care about you. There was the woman with issue of blood. She probably, if she was in Nigeria, had fibroid or, or even cancer. Was bleeding. Probably smelly. She touched Jesus' clothes. And Jesus allowed her healing. Hallelujah. That was Jesus. But you know, we are talking about love. Jesus did all these things. And on the appointed day, those same funny characters were saying, crucify him. Crucify him. How would you have felt if you were Jesus? You ask me, who did all those things? He will walk away and go back to heaven. They were saying, crucify him. 
Pilate said, okay, let's release somebody. They said, don't release Jesus. Release that criminal. They thought it was a joke. They retained Jesus. On a day like this, I want to ask myself and I want to ask you, what have you done with Jesus? We say this every now and then. Those people say crucify him and he was crucified. The soldiers stripped him of his clothes and actually killed him. Very terrible way, very painful death. And he died. It wasn't drama. Many people didn't receive him. Some said he was, he was eating with sinners. Wine Bible. And somebody like Pilate sentenced him to death. After he had known that he did nothing. What do you want to do with Jesus in this generation? Oh yes. There were some that received him. There was a Mary that brought very costly ointment and anointed him ahead for burial. There was Simon of Cyrene who helped to carry his cross. There was Joseph of Arimathea who donated his beautiful brand new tomb hewed out of stone and laid Jesus there. What are you giving to Jesus? It's not enough to be looking at our wristwatch. I'm also looking. But what have I done with Jesus? How many hours are there in a week? How many of those hours have I given to Jesus? In prayer, in reading the Bible, in coming to midweek fellowship. I said midweek fellowship. What have you done for Jesus? I will conclude after I've told this story. And this is a story from Matthew chapter 25. You can read it if you want. From verse 34. Matthew 25. From verse 34. You know that place is a game changer. Psalm 25. I'm sorry, Matthew 25. Are you there? Look at, let's just go there and save our time. Verse 42. You will remember the story as I move. For I was unhungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall also, they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did not this to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. You know why I said it's a game changer? Here, judgment is based on expression of love. It's not about how many times you are sleeping in the church. When you are sleeping in the church, you are ministering to yourself. Maybe praying to solve your problems. But here... People are hungry. 2013, what are we doing? People are going naked, not that they want to be nude. It's different from nakedness, nudity. People opting to expose their bodies for one useless reason or the other. It's different from nakedness on account of poverty and want. What are we doing with the naked all around us? People who are sick. It's not enough to say, ah, brother and sister, it is well. You are saying it is well when the person is in pain. Are you the one to decide whether it is well or not? You are the man who is in pain. 
What are you doing with the poor? Talked about those who are in prison. It's about practical, practical Christianity. Practical love. May God help us in the name of Jesus. You know, I don't know how much time I've used. I'm not seeing the clock very well. But bear with me. I'm about to round off. Now, okay, this will be the last story. Many years ago, I used to practice as a, a junior doctor. And it was a private setting. And a woman brought the child to see the doctor who happened to be me. We are talking of love. So when they came, it's a short story, don't be worried. When they came in, the mother greeted me. The child was standing by the mother. And the mother said to the child, greet the doctor now. Greet the doctor. And I was watching. The child said to the mother, I've greeted him. How did you greet him? In my heart. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Many of us, we just love in our hearts. That's not enough. It's not enough. Do something. Amen. Amen. Do something. It's not enough. The child could have been shy, but she had been taught to greet her an elder. And she probably did, but we didn't hear her. So that her greeting made no impact. You see? But thank God she was asked. And then you now like her more. Oh, so you greeted me after all. But in her heart. It's not enough to just come out as handsome and beautiful as we are. Praising and singing the Lord. Let love be in practice. As we find in the book of James. Let's find a way. You can give a pair of shoes to somebody. You can help in one way or the other. There are children who need school fees. I was surprised when I found out the cost of school fees of state primary schools, state secondary schools, and it touched my heart how some of those children drop out of school. I'm telling you, in those days, it was less than 10,000 now. Some less than 6,000. There was not one person who could pay the fee for such children. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. So I want to ask us to please ask God as we conclude. God, I want to be loving. I want to be your child. I want to be able to show love. Jesus was so loving that he forgave those who killed him. And today he's available to make us better and to reward us for being loving people. Jesus rewards us for loving. See our team. Our reward is coming. But we have to ask God to help us. God, help me to be more loving. Help me to help other people. Help me to love you. And to keep your commandments. Shall we stand to pray? Let's stand to pray so that we are all alert. Beloved, let us love one another. For God is love. And everyone who loves knows God. For God is love. And anyone who does not love, does not know God. Father, touch us today. Touch us, Father, that from now on we'll be loving as we ought to. We'll show love in this church. We'll show love in our family. We'll show love in our neighborhood, that place of work. We're going to forgive those who have wronged us and we are bearing grudge and withholding support from them. Let's begin to pray. Pray for yourself. As you are praying for yourself, I want to ask us, those of us who want to pray today, God, I want your power to be able to please you, to be able to love as you want. God, I want to have the capacity to keep your commandments. 
please raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Raise your hand where you are. God, I want to be a new person. I want to have a brand new life. I want to be able to go to heaven. Because those who don't show love, they will go to hell. Father, I want to be a brand new person. Save me today. I want to be born again. Raise your hand. So after this prayer, you have to believe Jesus. Jesus tells the truth. He said, if you open your heart, I will come in. So the way you open your heart is to say what I will tell you to say. Now it's a prayer. Alright? Alright, say after me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying on the cross. I open my heart today for you to come in. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Become my Lord. Become my Savior. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, make me born again. Give me the power to be your child and to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, thank you for all these people who have come. Some are children, some are older, some are adults. As I lay my hands upon them, God, forgive their sins. Give them the power to be your children. Give them the power, Lord, to love you. Holy Ghost, we pray that you come into their hearts. Make them born again. Make them new people. Let old things pass away. And let all things become new. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for them. Give them the new birth. Give them the new birth. Give them the new birth. Let them be born again. Born of God. In the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, have their way in their hearts. Give them the power to be their ch the children of God. Give them the power to live for you. Today, Lord, I cover them in the blood of Jesus. I cover them in the blood of Jesus. No power of the devil will ever steal them. No power of the devil will ever conquer them. I lay my hand on you. You are covered in the blood of Jesus. The power of God is covering you. In the name of Jesus. Father, give them grace to truly love you. Give them grace to grow up and to continue to live as children, as adults. To love you and to please you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.